Ba-da-ba-ba. Welcome to Fourth Times the Charm, the only podcast where every week is a brand new concept. And boy, we have one in store for you today. I am your producer, Ben, alongside your director, Matt. And Matt, how in the F U double hockey stick C K are ya? The folk? How the folk am I? Uh, I'm I'm pretty folk. It's like a it's like a full fuck, you know. Yeah, it's a folk. It's like yeah, it's, it's, it's like someone with an accent I can't understand saying fuck. That's right. Um, That's right. I, I'm doing quite well. I had a good day today. I got a half day tomorrow. Uh, pre- Ooh, pretty, halfy. I know, good old halfy. Um, <laughs> yeah, that one got me, Ben. That was a good one. Um, I wasn't but, even trying to make a joke there. <laughs> I'm vamping, bro. I'm vamping. That, sh- that shit was that was that one hit hard. That was an SNL joke. Um, <laughs> Fuck you! I've never <laughs> been insulted more in my life. Wow. Ooh, yeah. I, I'm, well, I'm not trying to my Will Smith material on you this week. I guarantee you that shit. much now. God, do, 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 do you want me to talk about your wife? D- we're not doing this. We did this joke last week. I thought we closed last week. It was excellent. I hope everyone enjoyed their meditation. I hope you. you hope you saw deeply inside of yourself. Um, Man, I wish. I wish even one person would have been like, "Ha, that was clever." Besides me. Uh yeah no. Uh, I like. I told myself, "This is clever," and that was about it. That was mistake number one. You know, you know, you know what I thought of it, Ben. What? Wow, I'm gonna turn the episode off now. Damn, that's. <laughs> did you even? Le- I even edited in like the sounds, like every few minutes. I listened to some of it. I didn't get through the I whole thing. I pretty carefully put it together. I'll, I'll, I'll go back. I'll have an ambient experience with it. Yeah, yeah like everyone else it. out there should. Uh, I, I one thing I'll shout out from my. Uh, my week away from you in our, in our sweet, sultry voices is I ate at the absolutely wonderful restaurant Boca in the city of Chicago. Ooh, what type uh, of cuisine is that? Uh, it's creative American cuisine. Um, it's kind of just like standard um, fancy American, you know, so kind of like a French-Italian influence um, kind of mixed together and just really fantastic food. It's their restaurant week menu at the moment. Um, which oh, we, cool, cool. So, like, just to give you to give you a uh, a sampling of what the uh, my four courses were. Uh, the first course was a shaved foie gras with dates, burnt cinnamon, and endive. It was ridiculous. Uh, it was wow, outstanding. That beautiful. Yeah, it was. It was genuinely delicious. There was a cauliflower soup, which I didn't think was gonna be good. Because it's cauliflower, but I didn't want the scallop, so I got a cauliflower soup. It was delicious. It had roasted bu- had a puffed buckwheat in it. I didn't know what the hell that was going to be like. And then I and, had some... And how was that? How do you describe the, that? The, the puffed buckwheat? Yeah, puffed buckwheat. I don't even know. It, I don't even have like a reference point for that. I don't know exactly what it is. I, it's a type of wheat. Um, but they were like these like little chunks in the soup that were the texture of like very crispy, like a very small piece 
of really crispy cauliflower. Like it has that kind of crunch to it and the same kind of um, like that little bit of give because it's, you know, like a meaty vegetable, uh, meaty vegetable cauliflower is. Mm. And it kind of had that texture, but it had like a woodsy kind of like almost kind of like a breadcrumb taste to it. But it was really, mm. I don't know. I don't have the right word. I'd have to eat it again to give it like the perfect description. Um, cauliflower a- is, is one of the, and I, I may have even said this on the pod before, cauliflower is one of the most underrated ingredients yeah. in fine dining and cuisine in general because it's so versatile and I love the texture it gives off. We've been using it substantially more in, in cooking at home, especially when you make chicken because we'll like roast the chicken over the cauliflower. Mm. This yeah, that's is great. This is a cooking podcast now. Um, but for my, well, for, well, for my final well, course, I, though, oh, go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. No, I was just no, saying, my ahead, final, the final course was a, a rigatoni with mushroom bolognese and pepper and pepcorino. I don't, I don't know what that word is. Pecorino. Yeah, with pecorino. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, it's a type That's of safe. cheese. I'm dyslexic. Um, that was delicious. Um, genuinely wonderful. I'm, I, I like rigatoni. I, like, I love Italian food, even though I can't pronounce any of the things. Uh, but mushroom bolognese is what sold me. Um, cause that sounded outstanding. And Taryn got the, uh, pork belly and pork tenderloin, which was delicious. Uh, and so, then and, go ahead. No, I, I, I was, I was just going to key off you when you're, when you're done. Uh, I thought you were done and I wanted to avoid dead space. So I was like, well, but uh, then you, you actually were continuing your thought. I, I thought so, you were going to bounce back and like ask a question for like clarification. No, I wasn't. I was oh, assuming so you, you were done. Oh man, we got to You describe with such alacrity that I assume that you leave no stone unturned. Well, I I was expecting a response before we got to dessert cuz like You 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 know man, I got to say I'm glad that I'm glad that we leave these non sequiturs yeah. in now. This is important uh, cuz cuz before this would have been an editing nightmare for me already. No, but you don't now, need to cut I this just, out. I told you from the yeah, beginning now, this is where the magic yeah, is. Yeah, now I just uh, only take out if there's really bad us in it, and what do you, um, uh, what do you mean? whatever like horrific clicking and breathing noises you make. I'm a vocal man. I got a very salivaic mouth. Salivaic. <laughs> yeah, it's a word I came up with today. All right. Well, while you're enjoying your salvia, how was dessert? Uh, dessert was delicious. It was it was very uh, salivating. Uh, it was the, I had the winter citrus with coconut ouzo, uh, sorbet and almonds. Uh, and it was, uh, wow. very delicious. I, it, it was a, it was a menu I think you would really enjoy. Cause every it sounds time I, like it. Every time I go out, I, I judge the meal based on what I like, but I also try to think about what my friends and people I know who also eat like this kind of food, uh, prefer. And like this was this is one of those ones that was like high on the Ben scale. I there's nothing I love more than good mushroom rigatoni pasta action. Dude, you no, it is ridiculous. And it's a really I, I it's think... a it's a great price. If you're listening to this and you're in Chicago, um it's it's worth the price. You get a ton of food. It's not one of those prefix menu places where you get tiny bites. Like you get like portions. And it's worth it. Well, I I'm looking forward to going there someday. Yes, some, together. Some someday eventually. Uh, I just wanted to piggyback off what you had because we also had a fancy meal. 
Ooh. Uh, when we were in Dallas over WrestleMania weekend, which you all will be hearing a lot more about very soon. Whoa. But our big meal was at Al Birnat's Steakhouse in Dallas. There, There's restaurants that are really good, and then there's restaurants that give you, like, that feeling in Ratatouille, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Where, the... Like, the guy takes the bite, and it's like, oh, I'm a child. Yeah. Al Birnat's was one of those places for me. Ooh. For an appetizer... Okay. They had beef Wellington bites. Hell yeah. Like that is a dick on table. Yeah, that's a big dick like, appetizer there. To have beef Wellingtons bite-sized as an appetizer. It's the like, only way. Like that's some big man meat being flung right there. I mean just oh, yeah. super high quality uh menu. Rebecca got her steak uh rare. Okay. And, and I mean, I've never seen a more perfectly rare steak in my life, Matt. It looked oh, effectively yeah. raw. It was so rare. Yeah, I mean, you're you're in the heart of the of the meat industry too. You're like you're where, like the cattle the cattle there. Like you're pro- that shit was probably killed like yesterday. I mean, if it Matt, wasn't dry. It was, if if you pulled that out of a refrigerator. Yeah. Someone would have been like, "That's raw." It was yeah, beet hell yeah. red. That's what you want. That's baby. how. That, that's how rare it is. So oh, she delicious. loved it. I got the veal asobuco, okay. which was on a uh, mushroom risotto. Hey, my classic. And it and it came with a lovely sauce accompaniment, which I I love the steak sauces that. Mm-hmm. just mix with the steak and the other flavors so much that they just they they just taste like a gravy past a certain point just yeah the most deep savory flavors oh yeah that's why i love i love making gravies from steak socks especially after sous vide if you reserve the liquid and make a gravy mm. with it oh you're fire you're fighting with fire at that point i i mean just just perfectly savory that's the only way I can use to really describe it, where all the ingredients used to make it really mix together for this perfect blend, accompanied perfectly with the asabuco that was just fall off the bone tender. Mm. Uh, had a had a bone marrow accompaniment with it. Ooh. Re- Rebecca tried some of that and she was not a fan. Oh, bone marrow is delicious. Is um, it the texture thing? It was a texture thing. Yeah, yeah. I get it. Uh, but I tell you, combining the steak sauce with the mushroom risotto, yeah, great idea, was like just another level. There's a few dishes in a person's life where it just hits that boom on yeah. another level. And for me, one of those things are the creaminess of like a pasta or a risotto mixed in with a steak sauce. Mm. That for me is like the perfect flavor profile combination there is. For and, me, uh, yeah, for me, it's uh, similar, but with like different meats, like things that aren't like like rabbit or lamb. Like sometimes, like that's when I feel that like that like overwhelming, or or with like traditional pastas. Yeah, like sometimes absolutely. like a like a carbonara, like a perfect carbonara with spaghetti, it's so just good. like mind altering. Just a bit of cracked pepper on the top. Oh, mm. speak. This is an ASMR podcast now, guys. Yeah, but Thought meditation but, but, was fun. But I tell you, the last thing I had, 
It gave me such a transcendental experience as mm-hmm. eating this risotto with the sauce was at Gico at Disney's Animal Kingdom. Wow. Which feels like such a step down quality wise, I know, but it's one of their nicer restaurants. But anyway, they had a they have a steak that's served with a uh, white cheddar macaroni and cheese. Mm. And so when you combine the red wine demi-glace with the demi-glace. mac and cheese, yeah, I mean, it transcendental experience. Very similar mm. flavor profiles where you have the slight bitterness of the sauce with the slight, you know, creamy, not quite sweetness of the mac and cheese. Yeah. I think this was even better because when you're throwing the mushrooms in there, they have oh, that yeah. deep umami flavor. It really adds a whole extra level of depth that you wouldn't get otherwise. See, to, I mean, to truly me, fantastic, fantastic courses all I, around. To to me, I, where I contrast with that, like on like with like steak, or like just like straight meat, like not, I think nothing compares to like a perfectly cut, perfectly cooked piece of venison with like blueberries, or like a like a like some kind of puree, like something very light. Like I, I, to me, it's like the meat being perfected is something special when it comes to food. But like, I mean, I guess if you pair that with then something else perfected, you might get a artistically. Down. I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. Me personally, I like it with the sauces more, even though I know that that compromises the presentation of the meat. That's just a personal yeah. failing. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, like I, I do agree bit. with you in principle i agree i agree with you in principle and i condone all of your future statements regarding wrestling all right well that was that was probably the most obnoxious was, and check that, your that, privilege that, intro that was, to a podcast that, was, of all that time. was 14 minutes of white privilege <laughs> that was disgusting <laughs> okay i just want to say before we start with the next thing Do, one of the most important things i ever learned from television and i don't know if i do this well or not but it's something i've always kept in my mind and i feel like it's something that people should take to heart in conversation in general and something i at least try to work towards it was an episode of next food network star okay this is like a decade ago swear to god and the whole point of the show is they're trying to find someone who can cook at least bare minimum and they're also an engaging television personality and early on in the season and this was one of the earlier seasons they had a challenge where people had to cook a dish and then describe it within like two minutes okay okay and when people are up there doing their demo they keep saying wow this food's really good this is so tasty i love eating this and one of the judges, Bobby Flair or someone, I don't know, it doesn't matter. They say, nice, good, tasty, that doesn't tell us how the food tastes. Yeah. If you're going to use adjectives to describe a dish, you need to actually explain the flavor profile and try to describe what you're tasting. So something's not good or tasty or flavorful it has a deep umami flavor or you talk about the crispness of the vegetables or you talk about how tender the meat is if it's falling off the bone or not how juicy it is and 
it, it sounds dumb, but that's something that has always sort of stuck with me a bit mm-hmm. because language is so powerful and people don't take the time to think of things in that way where it's, you yeah, know, it shouldn't sure. just be stream of consciousness. If you're on something like a podcast, Hey, then you should be mindful of your words and you should be trying to get the most out of everything you're saying to try and be more engaging. Cool. And now that was 17 minutes of the most white privilege shit you've ever heard in your life on a podcast. Now I'm and on, And on that note, we are going to transition into our main segment today. I hope you love my voice because you're going to hear a lot more of it. It's not five stars under 50. It's 50 under five stars. But because all of them are under five stars. They sure are, Matt. Welcome to 50 under five stars. I went to Dallas, Texas, and over the span of one, two, three, four days, I went to a combined five pro wrestling shows and watched in person a combined 50 five zero wrestling matches oh my god that's too much wrestling it i had a blast until i got (laughs) to the second night of wrestlemania oh and in the middle of the uh, edge and aj styles match i just checked out i died yeah you were messaging us we were like i was like ben's texting in the (laughs) middle of a match with edge and aj styles something's wrong like, I thought something, like, bad happened when I saw your message. I was like, uh-oh. I was so done. Um, but Yeah, we, oh, be, we were too. <laughs> this is going to be a quick breakdown of the last week in wrestling, the biggest week of wrestling of the year, and I'm going to go through and give my star ratings for all 50 matches I saw this past week, Matt, I'm, in I'm, person. I'm, I'm ready to react as if I saw all 50 of them. So, let's get it off the top. All right. WrestleMania, WWE, wow. no matter Boom. what you say about Energetic. it, it is and always will be until they go out of business, the biggest wrestling event of the year. And one yep. of the things that's made it the biggest of the year is that now it's become an annual haven for independent wrestling events because what happens is that you have 50,000 or they want to say 77,000 people going to WrestleMania then there's several days where hey there's stuff for you know there's thousands of people here for wrestling while we have our own shows and so what it's evolved into and this was the first real one since pre-pandemic times where there was from Thursday at like 8 a.m. all the way until Sunday before WrestleMania, there is some independent wrestling show going on somewhere, most of the time doubled up on each other. It's literally impossible to do every single independent wrestling show in a WrestleMania town. So then, Ben. For that trip. Coming coming into this this trip, this this journey you went on, did you have a predestined path? to dive through this or were you going to let your heart kind of carry you as you went? 
So I hadn't done this trek before, and I was also mindful of the fact that I was dragging my fiance along, um, and I didn't want to totally kill her. Uh, plus, you know, I had family in town and all of my other wrestling friends who I see when I travel. So I ended up choosing five shows. Now, of those five, there are two nights of WrestleMania, Saturday and Sunday. Good Lord help me. That leaves three openings. Joey Janela's Spring Break is also a two-night show now, and that is sort of the standard flag-bearer of independent wrestling on WrestleMania weekend. So I really wanted to go to those two. How long has he, uh, Joey Janela, been working around, like having shows around WrestleMania? Well, it's a part of GCW, so Joey's more of the figurehead, even though he's not really doing most of the booking for the shows. This was his sixth of the spring break shows. And um, that left me with one opening. So there were shows I did have interest in. There was Ring of Honor's Super Card of Honor, which was booked by Tony Khan, arguably from people who saw it, the show of the weekend, with yeah. the standout match being the Briscoes versus FTR for the Ring of Honor tag titles. I really want to check this show out. Yeah, I haven't you can watched... on Honor Club for 10 bucks. Mm-hmm. Um Lots of news coming out of that show. Samoa Joe debuting in Ring of Honor and now AEW. Uh, it seems like the show to beat from the weekend. Um, there was also Impact Wrestling's Multiverse of Matches, which centered around uh, uh, centered around interpromotional matches. And there was oh, also New Japan Pro Wrestling's Lone Star Shootout which featured some heavy-duty matches as well. I'm surprised um, you skipped that one. That Of all the ones you've listed so far, the one I'm most surprised that you skipped on is the New Japan show. The thing with the New Japan show is they come to L.A. a lot. Oh, okay. And I so, I f- so I wanted to use this to go to shows that I normally couldn't. So spring break, like that's like the indie WrestleMania in a way. And the other one I wanted to go to, because they're really an East Coast-based promotion, is Major League Wrestling. My guilty pleasure of pro wrestling. Ben has shared this pleasure with me many times. It is an... It is... I I, I would call it innocent in its its presentation. My... uh, So... I love nothing more than to be with my beautiful, lovely fiance. But on Friday yeah. nights, she goes to bed early, which leaves me with an evening to watch whatever I want. So for me, I get adult intoxicated and then I choose you get to California watch sober. And I choose to watch Major League Wrestling, which is not a particularly good show in many most ways. Yeah. The backstage segments are amateurish. The wrestling is generally not good because most of the wrestlers aren't being paid great, it seems. Yeah, there's they have there was, no when I when I watched it with you, there was an air of apathy to the performances. Like while also combined with a like newness to their like confidence yeah which is a beautiful Um, which is really is kind of its own beautiful mixture yeah it's this strange mix of just easy listening wrestling where none of it is super great but every now and then you see flashes of brilliance from performers who 
because the rest of the show isn't so great, people aren't really looking out for them. It really just clicked that this is how I sound when I talk about black metal, and I totally get it. (laughs) (laughs) But it's true. No, I I totally understand the experience. Like, because, like, I'll casually listen to, like, what is just basically ambient shrieking with, like, guitars behind it. And, like, sometimes when you're just, like, hanging out on a Friday night by yourself, that's all you need. You just, you need that, you need that chill vibe. That's that, what that I, one true pass. I I appreciate easy listening wrestling, like MLW or AEW Dark, because most wrestling you see are people trying to kill each other and make a statement because, like, those are the shows where, you know... Yeah, you, New Jack style. You know, where people are trying to get noticed, right? Yeah. So Pro Wrestling Guerrilla, one of, if not the best independent wrestling promotion in the world right now. But every single match is like a WrestleMania main event to those people, right? Oh, yeah. GCW, every single match, they got the light tubes out or they have tables or they have some sort of emotional blah, blah, blah. Like, it's a lot of effort and there's lots of high stakes to it. MLW's ad value is unlike most indie promotions that you see, which are on one end do or die the best wrestling people giving it their all or the other end humek or just like the dirt worst wrestlers Hugh who aren't going to get anywhere and you feel like you're Hugh wasting your time mlw Sweet. are talented wrestlers who are just sort of putting in a day's work yeah. and i like that it's and blue that's collar sort of american wrestling absolutely um and so because I've been watching this for a while and they don't come over to the West Coast, I wanted to go to an MLW Azteca taping. And, bro, we are going to get into that. But first, right. I want to start us at the beginning. Chronological yes. order. We fly oh, yes. in Thursday. And we end up going to Joey Janela's Spring Break Night 1. It was originally going Wait, so to be I- at Gillies, Dallas, which is a famous country music uh, event location, but sure. they didn't like the idea of glass and nails being used in matches, so they moved over Wimps. to a convention center around Fair Park in Dallas. So so how how long after you get to get to Texas are you at this event? Like what's the buffer between landing and wrestling? Like four hours, maybe. Okay, that's just enough time to be reasonable. Yeah, yeah. Like, it like it if, if it didn't feel like, like we were t- forcing it. Yeah, if it was a two-hour transition, I'd be a little on the edge. But yeah, four, four hours. Four hours is just enough to stay classy. To be fair, I didn't really consider the time of when we were getting in, other than. Can we make it on time? Okay. So it just sort of worked out where it was, where I was reasonable. All right. I respect that. I respect that. Yeah. And so this was, um, the most eh card of, of the weekend I saw. And honestly, it seemed from fans who watched that was also quite disappointing. Joey Janela's spring break shows were historically known as being batshit shows where you would have like, Orange Cassidy face Minoru Suzuki, or you would have Ultimo Dragon wrestle. And it just, it didn't live up to the expectations of, wow, the, wow this is wacky and crazy. Instead, oh, it wait. was more of a really good 
regular GCW for, card. For fans of the for fans of the podcast, uh, they all understand this reference. It was a very Calvair like experience. It was. It absolutely it Calvair'd was. you. But but it but this was more a disappointing compared to prior years. Sort of a WWE disappointment. Yes, the, the the ambient watching regular program WWE material disappointment. I'm like, yeah. oh look, this could this this could be very entertaining and engaging and wonderful to watch, but it just decides that it's gonna be nonsensical and kind of boring and repetitive. Yeah. What not boring, not repetitive. We enjoyed it. It just yeah. didn't meet expectations. Okay. Yeah, um, I understand that. So let's so let's start with the first match we saw of the weekend, which was for the GCW Tag Team Titles. The Briscoe Brothers defended against the Second Gear Crew, which was Mance Warner, who's awesome, very talented, like hardcore brawler, a la like Dusty Rose, or I guess more like a Terry Funk style. Okay. And uh, his partner, Matthew Justice, who I have the biggest love-hate relationship with because the dude has a good look. He has a bit of an aura around him, and yet he keeps doing chair shots to the head. Like, oh, unprotected no. ones. Why? And it really pisses me off. And, like, they're not even super hard, but I'm like, just don't do them. You yeah, know? stop that. Don't Takes do- me out of the match. Your brain uh, is important, young man. So their opponent, to make this a three-way should have been the tag team champions of the hate club, Nick Gage and Matt Tremont. Apparently hours before the show, GCW announced that Matt Tremont wouldn't be at the show and that Nick Gage will defend the titles by his fucking self. What, what, what happened to this other man? No idea. No No. idea. We never found out. No conspiracy theory. Um, No, no, no alien abduction or COVID cases. And uh, I got to say, Matt, for a yes. first match for Mania Weekend, this was pretty bizarre of a match. Nick okay. Gage does not look healthy. No, I, I, every time I've seen an image of him, he looks like he's... No, 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 no. Look up a picture of Nick Gage from 2022 versus 2021. The oh, dude no. has gained a lot of weight. It's like all of the weight that John Moxley shed from oh, not drinking, no. Nick Gage has like absorbed it from him did he start drinking heavily i mean i'm not saying that but like it looks like it like like he was shuffling around the ring he like his face is so puffy his teeth stick out and he looks like he's some backwoods alvin and the chipmunks member um like he has a very dicey history with substance abuse issues so i hope he's getting whatever he needs but like, like it is not out of line for me to say that the dude looks like he's having problems right now. Um, and it especially looked like it in the match where the Briscoes and the second gear crew are doing spots with each other. Nick Gage is by himself just standing on the apron doing nothing. What the fuck? And then he like shuffles into the ring, does this one spot, gets knocked down. He looks fucking confused. He's not... Well, I'm not talking like a Jeff Hardy victory road where the guy's drugged out of his mind, but just like the guy has no tank, you know? Yeah, he, there's, like, he's, there's like no a, cylinders firing. Because, like, not like because a, he's broken, he, but because there's no fuel. He wrestled like a retired wrestler. 
like someone who was in wwe 10 years ago and they're just here for a cheap pop now that's like when we that's that's like when we saw mvp yes exactly it It was was just it was lethargic and it was like i used to know how to do this it's like watching right. an old person ride a bike for the first time after 10 years. I mean, I think that's disrespectful to MVP. Like, if I was in that building and I was a guy of his stature, I would have put in the same effort. But, yeah, mm. in in point, you're right. Um, midway through the match, another GCW regular, Slade, came to the ring okay. with his own pizza cutter and just randomly mid-match he started joining Nick Gage. So I guess mid-match, he became Nick Gage's tag partner. They, they, they in the back, called an audible because they he, they needed someone else out there. It fucking felt like it, dude. Uh, yeah, but that's, the, I get 100% that's what happened. Two out of five-star affair. Stuff with SGC and the Briscoes were fine, but the match just sort of ended abruptly. And this was, this was your first match with the Briscoes. Our only match this weekend. Uh, I mean, I've seen the Briscoes beforehand. No, I mean, so, I like, meant just this weekend. Like, are there any wrestlers you saw wrestle twice? Yes. Yes. Okay. They're, they're, yeah, they're actually uh, are. So anyway, so the Briscoes win the match, uh, defeat the second gear crew and uh, the hate club or whatever strange amalgamation of the hate club was. Two-star match, good action, let down by an abrupt ending and Nick Gage doing whatever the fuck he was doing. Next up, a free spirit. Yeah. So next up, we had Blake Christian, all heart. This dude, I cannot stay away from. He's like everywhere. It feels like very like flippy do wrestler. Okay. Does not have a big personality. He was hired by WWE and then let go. Um, and uh, he's obviously very talented on a lot of people's radars, but like it just hasn't clicked for me yet. Just okay. because I'm not a huge flippy wrestler guy, but I have a lot of respect True. for him. Uh, the hustle. You respect the he, craft, not the execution. Uh, yeah, in a way. Uh, he wrestled Ar Fox, uh, more okay. of a stalwart, um, cruiserweight, high flying wrestler. He came out with what looked like his girlfriend or his wife or someone, but she had a lot of fun. Okay, and yeah, that's what they matters. had a they had a solid three star or so affair that Blake Christian won. It's been on a few uh, lists for highlights of the weekend. Didn't do a ton for me, but there was a lot of good energy and air Fox started a little more lethargic and loose, but he really uh, sprang into it more towards the end. So fan of that Uh, followed up with Mickey James making a one-off appearance Okay. GCW to face the signature female of GCW, Allie Catch, formerly Allie Cat, and uh, she's like GCW's. <laughs> Choose your words correctly. I am not a huge Allie Catch fan. Okay. A who lot is, of people. Who is the wrestler that Tony Khan let go because she just wasn't good? That was Big Swole. Okay. She's worse than Big Swole. Is she like Humec quality? No. She's like... <laughs> I I can't say this in a nice way. Okay. Well, sometimes if you don't have something nice to say, it's better not to say anything at all, right? She's really out of shape and she <laughs> doesn't have much of a character. 
and her wrestling isn't very believable. And unless she's doing deathmatch spots where she's just, blah, look, I can cut someone with a knife. I say, fuck. She really doesn't bring a lot to the table. I don't like her gear. Um, I think her theme song's cool. <laughs> I feel like there is something great within her. I think she has, she's like a wrestler that has the it factor in like nothing else. Oh, I see what you it's mean. It's really strange where there's nothing about her that I like, but I know that there's something in there that's really good, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, well, you can you can see the potential. It's just the execution. I don't even know if I can see the potential. Okay. I just, there's something magnetic about her. Okay. But I don't I like watching her wrestle. And I've never seen an alley catch match that I've liked. And this match with Mickey James was no different. Um, it was fine. Mickey James came out. One of the dudes by the ramp. It looked like to me grabbed her boob. Oh, and shit. she oh, that's not spun good. around and she said, that's not cool. And they <laughs> kept spinning. And I'm like, fucking you tell him. Yeah. Fuck that. What the hell? I would have been ruder. Honestly. I'm surprised you didn't get hit. Frankly. But yeah, they, they had a match, and I don't remember a lot <laughs> from it. Um, I wanted to make sure these ratings were legit, so I rated yeah. them immediately after the matches oh, happened. Oh, wow. This is some uh, tier yeah, one Yeah, just because like I didn't want to be like, oh, I don't remember the match, I'll give it one star. Uh, but I did remember the match when I gave it this rating of one and a half stars. Mickey okay. James picked up the win, and then afterwards, Alley Catch cut a bizarre promo. Where she said, hey, I heard a few of you booing Mickey James in the crowd. And they're yeah. like, I, yeah, I guess. And she's like, well, let me tell you guys something. She's a legend. And I wouldn't sure. be here if it wasn't for Mickey James. And she starts going on this weird tangent about how we should all be cheering Mickey James and we shouldn't be booing her. It's like, okay, one... The few people, which weren't many, who were booing Mickey James were booing them because they like you. <laughs> which, you know, yeah. like it's a wrestling match. Like, I'm sorry. I didn't know that we, we had to we had to pay our respects and, you know, wipe our feet off at the door. Like, yeah, do we be, need yeah, to say sh- grace before we have our match? Do we need of like a, some golf claps? Is this New Japan? Yes, it is. Like, yes. You have to you have to bring the true respect. I, I, I just don't know what she was going for. Like, if Anger. she was going for, hey, I grew up, Mickey James was my idol, and one day I'm going to get this one back, and I'm going to beat you. Like, sure, that's fine. But mm-hmm. she didn't do that. She was like, how dare you guys <laughs> cheer me? And like, what the fuck was that about? Someone, someone had, like, a very bad... Like interaction backstage, I think that's what I'm getting out of that. It's like it's like there was a conversation that happened, and someone was not very happy after that conversation. I I don't know because apparently she loves Mickey James. Maybe she's just weird. I don't know. That's probably probably a bit of both. Yeah. Uh, after that was a scramble match. Scramble matches are a real standard of indie shows, especially on weekends where there's a lot of people in the area. Uh, Nick Wayne defeated Jordan Oliver, Jimmy Lloyd, Gringo Loco, Alec Price, Jack Hartwheel, and Ninja Mac. I gave this a cool two and a half stars. Pretty good spot fest uh, for, you know, just being one of those yeah. fill out the card, put everyone out there matches. Yeah, just kind Nick of Wayne, 16 years old, hell of a lot of potential. I like him more 
each time I see him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jordan Oliver, I hate his stupid face, but <laughs> okay. he's a talented wrestler. Sure, sure. Uh, Jimmy Lloyd looks like he came out of a dumpster. Perfect. And uh, I've never seen America. anything about him that I really right. got a lot out of. Yikes. Gringo Loco, stalwart, um, uh, Lucha Gringo. You know, good yeah. for him, man. He wrestled a match on 205 Live and blew his knee out in like 90 seconds. I felt oh. really bad for him. That's Yeah, that's a sad one. That's, yeah. a, that's uh, like Ninja a bad Mac. time. Ninja Mac, uh, okay. super entertaining, flippy wrestler. Um, like high-flying cruiserweights, mixes in martial arts. Okay, I like to that. I like great that. effect. Just very crisp and precise. He has a spinning kick mat that would blow your mind if you saw him in person. Yeah, I gotta see Jack it. Cartwheel uh, does cartwheels, and he used Dude. a photo I took of him on Instagram and refused to give me credit for it, so fuck him. Yeah, you suck. You fuck deserve Jack to Cartwheel. Lose. And he did. Oh, um, the real star of the match for me was Alec Price. Who came across like a you know young in his career shithead indie heel, a little you know paramour my chemical romance assholey heel. So in a way he felt on the generic side. Sure. But he did a few spots in this match that were just wild, just able to grab people out of midair and transition them into various moves. He has really good intensity. And his resting bitch face is just really entertaining to look at. I think within two to three years, Alec Price is going to be main eventing indie shows. Oh, wow. Maybe okay. sooner. An endorsement. But just like, I really liked what I saw from him. So I hope he goes far. And what would you give this match out of five? Uh, two and a half stars. Two, okay, so we're, we have not broken three stars yet. Uh, Christian and A.R. Fox, I gave three stars, oh. but didn't go past it. Yeah, I haven't broken past three yeah. stars yet. Uh, X-Pac versus Joey Janela was next. That came off of the last L.A. GCW show that uh, my fiance and I went to. Uh, X-Pac actually had tore his bicep prior to this, and he got gassed pretty quickly. Um... It wasn't an amazing standout match. I gave it two out of five stars. Joey Janela got the win. Um, the the fun the most fun thing about the match was Joey coming out in Razor Ramon gear and so much spray tan. Oh, jeez! It looked like he changed races. Oh, that's not good. Um, that's but the actual upsetting. the the actual match itself though was uh, nothing too special, which was a bit of a shame. But I mean, you know. X-Pac hasn't wrestled a lot lately and wrestling with a tore bicep. Like, that's some True. real warrior shit. So, yeah. good on him. Uh, only what? two matches left for wait, night wait, wait, one. What do you give that one out of five? Two stars. Two stars. Okay. Next up was John Moxley defending his GCW championship against AJ Gray, who's uh, a GCW stalwart that, all due respect, I see nothing in. Okay. Um, I, I don't mean it that harshly but i just i I haven't been impressed by aj gray in any matches that Mm -hmm. i've seen him in i sort of feel like i missed the boat on why people like him i think he's probably done more deathmatch stuff before oh so there's some kind of like pre-existing fan base that that i think so i think so but uh moxley defended the title uh they used light weaponry glass tubes a few of them 
Um, but as always, ends with a paradigm shift on AJ Gray. John Moxley got the win. I gave it three out of five stars. Okay. Um, more out of I felt like I probably should give it that. Um, it, it wasn't the best John Moxley match I've ever seen, but it was by no means bad. Uh, it got, but it, I, it got I, a half a star for John Moxley being in it. I, I never felt like the title was in danger. Yeah, I get that. There's no stakes. So, and considering I came into it thinking John Moxley was probably going to lose the title, it's not a glowing endorsement of the match. Uh, yeah, the story, the story wasn't really being told. The main event might have been my favorite match of the night, and it was a full-on death match for the GCW something-something death kill whatever. It's their death match Super title. Super death killer champion match. Alex Colon, who is one of the, if not the top death match wrestler in the world right now, Ooh, cool. faced off against John Wayne Murdoch. Sounds like a for the championship. And um, let's see. Let's go through some of the actions we had here. We had people Irish whipped into light tubes against the ropes. Yeah, that's all right. People choke slammed off the apron through a tower of light tubes. Okay, we're still we're still we're still in approachable this baby territory. We had um, razor blades in a box that were pulled out that they were slammed onto. Oh, that's okay. That's pretty intense. Um, and then at a certain point, they just brought out a full-on kitchen knife and started stabbing each other in the forehead with it. What the fuck? Yeah, like, and they went up to people in the front row and were like, look, I'm actually cutting him with this knife. That's some New Jack shit. Yeah. That's um, what the, the match, fuck? The match ended quite strangely, and I still don't know if this is a work or not, where Alex Cologne went to ram John Wayne Murdoch into the ring post. He moved and Cologne collided shoulder first into the uh, ring post. Oh, Dude sold it like his arm was broken. Might have been. Like, like it was legit. I was like, is his arm broken? Oh, fuck. Is that that time he at comes... a freelance show where I saw a guy get knocked unconscious? And I was like, yeah. he's the greatest seller of all time. Or that man's unconscious. So he came back into the ring. Murdoch does like three more moves on him. And then he puts his bad arm into like an arm bar and the guy taps out or, or something like that. Oh, what the fuck? Okay. The important thing is that he was like focusing on the arm a little bit. So that's why I was like, well, maybe this is a isn't a work. But it was just a weird way to end the night on on like a maybe real injury. Yeah, that's kind of that leaves a weird taste in your mouth. I did enjoy it though. I gave it three out of five stars, and I'm not a deathmatch person. All right. So how, how you many, know, I feel many... like it's I feel like it's anti I feel like it's antithetical to the concept of wrestling. I'm like, if you sure. are gonna you know incinerate your bodies, I I guess I might as well tell a review story. It, you know, yeah, and they did tell a story. Well, that's which what is His arm broke. He's fucked up. How many um, matches in are we? You don't want me to answer that, Matt. I'm gonna get faster. I swear should, to God. Should we? Should we set a meta, a meta shift? You have one minute per match. I will I give think... you one minute. I will give you one minute per match. But okay, I do need to set the stage before the timer starts. All right, for like the show in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah like the timer. The I'll have the timer right here in front of me. Okay. 
the the timer for each match this is like the worst of my vanity is like this episode right here this is beautiful why this is why we're gonna do one minute per match ben because it's gonna <laughs> it's gonna force that beautiful equation like that voice. was the most boring show i could tell yeah wow really was it that bad <laughs> no not not your description of it your description of it was engaging okay anyway the, it sounded if i had been there i saw i felt like i would have been bored so i gave it a two and a half out of five perfectly average show yep. i enjoyed it i had a good time was not the level of prior spring breaks next up the following afternoon we went to mlw and let me tell you matt it was at gillies dallas gillies Oh, the place that didn't want GCW? Yeah, that's right. This place also apparently tried to get the Control Your Narrative show um, booted as well. Why? Because uh, um, <laughs> they're carnies, because Court Bauer is a carny. That's why. Okay, sure. I, I got to say, Matt, I've never been to a more unpleasant, like, structured live experience. What, what time of day was the show at? It started at, I think, 2 p.m. That See, that's that's the unreasonable thing. Like, the idea of going to see professional wrestling before 5 o'clock. It sounds disgusting. No, it, it sounds wrong. Like, it seems I love cool. It. I love it. But, man, I can't imagine me be like being in the right headspace for, like, a 12 p.m. It's like going to Medieval Times in the middle of the day. You, you want to know, Matt, what was emblematic of the MLW experience? Before the show starts, their world champion... Alex Hammerstone, the number one guy in the company, walks out from backstage, past fans who don't say a word to him, walks to the merch booth, and he says, hey, man, I need a a shirt to wear for my match later. And he gives him one of his merch shirts to wear out to the ring. And then he straddles back, wearing his tights and nothing else. Like, like, itty-bitty baby trunks, shoes, like, no wrist tape, no elbow pads, no knee pads. So, pretty much just a naked beef man asking for a shirt. I'm like, this is the MLW experience. Holy fuck. That's so sad. That's like Anarchy I, Pro sad. I did get a uh, ring-used MLW ring pad, though. Cool. It was only like 50 bucks. Oh, that made, that made it worse. I was like, yeah. maybe they just gave it to you because you were really nice, but you paid for it. Of course I did, man. Support MLW. Support yeah, independent support, wrestling. Yeah, I, I get, yeah, you know what? Yeah, I agree. Support MLW. Buy that so, ring pad. Um, I, I've, I've bought symbols from bands before. I get it. I, I'm a sucker for ring used stuff. Like ring used turnbuckle pads. Like, oh my God, dude. It's got like some blood on it and a footprint on it and shit. And it's all worn. It's awesome. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna get you I'm gonna get you a turnbuckle pad from uh, no I I almost made it too offensive of a joke and I stopped myself. What from Chris Benoit's personal ring or something? I was gonna say from the night Owen Hart died. <laughs> <laughs> I was on the right track. I was on the right track. <laughs> you, were, you were in the right head because I was gonna make another New Jack reference and I was like I made too many New Jack references and I'm like what else could I say? So I went no, this, straight this makes to it Owen my, Hart. Uh, this makes it my third turnbuckle pad I have. So hey, you're almost ha- you're on your way to a ring. I, I have a 1980s WWF turnbuckle pad from the golden era. I have an AEW turnbuckle pad, and now I have an MLW turnbuckle pad. Well, I know what Ben's getting for his birthday. 
I gotta say, I don't know how to accurately describe the death feeling of MLW, where it's just like everyone wants to die. The building felt like it was 40% full. And like the crowd was there at the start of it, but they structure the shows in a way where you don't know what's going on. And then like guys come out multiple times in a row and there's like this disconnect from the crowd where it's just guys coming out, doing their thing and leaving. Yikes. Very disconcerting show. So let's run through these. Uh, Just as a heads up, this show got a 1.75 out of 5 rating from me. Sweet Jesus. Also, the booking of MLW is really terrible you'll, you'll, You'll convey that to us with one minute per match. Including your star rating, I will give you. I'll give you a fifteen-second warning when you're almost out of time, and you better right. flow right into the next one because we're gonna we're gonna make MLW swift. Are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. We got twelve matches that I watched in like two and a half hours. So this is gonna be less than twelve minutes. I'm calling it. Ready, <laughs> set, yep, go. All right. Opening unannounced match was Bud Heavy, their local jobber, who I like, you know, in a weird way. Uh, and he teamed with a guy named Red they've never seen before since. They faced the new tag champions, EJ and Duka, talented former NXT guy, and Calvin Tankman, a really good big man. Uh, they're called Hustle and Power. Quick squash match, one star, but did what needed to do, and the crowd was there for it. Next segment, two. Cesar Duran and Alexander Hammerstone. This is the one segment that'll take more than a minute because it wasn't really a match. They have an advertised main event of a six-man tag. All of a sudden, Cesar Duran, the former guy who ran Lucha Underground, he comes out to wrestle Alex Hammerstone, who's already advertised in a match, for the world title. This guy's not a trained wrestler. We have no idea what's going on, why any of this is happening. And let me tell you, Matt, this was just a Gaga segment so okay. that uh, to set up the tag match they already announced. But Cesar Duran is okay. one of the most entertaining motherfuckers on this planet. All right. Tell me about it. You got 15 seconds to tell me about it. Dude does a backflip in the ring. Oh, and shit. And he only needed the help of two people to do it. <laughs> and he stayed stone-faced the whole time pretending like he knows martial arts. I Beautiful. mean, the dude sold it so much. He was literally turning the crowd against the world champion. Perfect. Next I match. cannot tell you how great Cesar Duran is. Five and that was the stars. highlight of the show. The non-match three stars. Uh, and nothing else got close really. Uh, next match was a real filler match for, uh, the, for the Caribbean championship. Uh, Octagon junior defeated Matt cross literally nothing to write about this is a standard of a wrestling match as standard can be five-way match for the national openweight championship alex kane defeated ach myron reed juicy finale who's a really big boy and puma king who i love so of course he was the one who took the fall way too short for anyone to be able to do anything why is puma king uh, falling this far I mean, he still like, does PWG. Okay, because he was so yeah, good. He just gets around. He just gets around. Is this, is uh, this two where stars. Like, from Lucha Underground ended up? I mean, some of them. Mm. Uh, so this whole show was supposed to be Azteca Underground, like a Lucha Underground ripoff. And for some reason at the show, they just dropped all the branding. Who knows? It's fucking strange. Next match. Davey Richards uh, defeated Danny Limelight. 
from 5150, who I've been liking a lot more lately, but singles matches aren't his strong suit. Two stars. Next match. Shortest one yet. That was 10 seconds. The Cesar Hammer segment led to this match. A six-man tag between Alex Hammerstone and Dallas's own, the Von Eriks. Oh, hey. As in Kevin Von Eriks' two kids who aren't nearly as over as he was. They're like the And Ass they boys. lost to Mads Kruger, King Muertes, and uh, Hammer's foil, Richard Holiday, who pinned Hammer in the match. Um, really, really basic TV six-man tag. Okay. Von Eriks and Dallas, I've technically now seen them, but not in the way that anyone anticipated. Two stars. Um, the actual match of the night was Bandito versus oh, Flamita, yeah. who's Dude. his former tag partner. Bandito dropped the Ring of Honor title later tonight, so he was on autopilot in this match. Oh, no, and he knew. at 20%, He's better than the rest of the roster by a country mile, and Holy I'm assuming shit. it helped that he was working with Flamita, who they've worked a ton in Mexico. Okay, so this is the one thing together. I will say: there is nothing more beautiful than watching two luchadors who have wrestled each other dozens of times on autopilot. Oh man, because they do some the of the most incredible things, and it takes no effort. If you watch <laughs> Phoenix and Pentagon Junior now. That's how they are when they wrestle each other. And it's some of the most beautiful wrestling you can ever watch. Because it's just effort. It's just flow. It's yeah, pure yeah. flow. Uh, three and a quarter stars that. The one women's match we had, which means that for in a month, they will have one women's match, I guess. Um, uh, female luchador, uh, Chic Tormenta, okay. who's a bit of a uh, stalwart in the scene, lost to Holodead, Thunder Rosa's former tag partner. Oh, okay. Who came out with Gangrel and her Wait, bitch really? boy, Dr. Dax. Yeah. They're doing like an undead group, but it really didn't come together. And this match was nothing to write home about. Uh, one half star. Yeah. Coming up next was a six-man tag where Mini Abismo, Arez, and TJP, for some reason accompanied by Holodead, Wrestled El Dragon, Aerostar, and the 18-inch tall Microman. Yay, Microman! Microman wasn't the worst worker of the show, and he got the win. Two and three-quarter stars. It's worth watching Microman at least once. Like, it's a gimmick, but man, it's fun. Next match. Enzo, as in Enzo Amore, comes out, cuts a great promo about Casey Navarro. I told you about his last promo on Casey from a few weeks ago. This is the return match. He talks about how Casey trained under him and he kept beating his ass and how Casey shows heart, but not enough heart to beat Enzo. So naturally, Casey comes out and we keep wondering why Enzo's trying to get the crowd more into it when the match has just started. But then oh. we figure out why, because Casey wins in about 90 seconds. Oh, shit. Oh, Oops. that's not good. Yeah. So that didn't work with the crowd who by this point was dead as dead can be. Um, I was, gave it a star, you was, know. Was Rebecca at this? Yeah. By oh, this point, man. she's just like, I'm happy you're happy. This is like, it's it's like 4.30 now, right? Or like 4.15? Uh, it was like 3.45. We oh. were flying through these matches. Sweet Jesus. All right, next match. Next up was the worst match of the weekend. Yikes. Gino Medina, who I still don't really get what his character is, faced the luchador Aramis in a strat match, which is based on yeah, a backstage I, happening from like two months ago. And it wasn't just a strat match, Matt. It was a Mexican lumberjack match where not all of the lumberjacks were Mexican. Oh, um, 
Yeah, yeah. The match went about five minutes. A the strap match was out of five minutes? Yeah, the strappings on the wrestlers were weak as fuck. Uh, the referee was out of position for the finish, so Aramis had to tap the referee to tell him that, hey, you need to catch me using this strap that I'm not supposed to be using. Oh, no one got over. It was booked to shit. And the best part of it was Julius Smokes on the outside uh, threatening Rebecca to come fight him. Time for the next match. Yeah, that was a dud rating, yeah. by the way. Zero uh, and then in our main event, main event, L.A. Park, La Parca, finally yeah. seeing him in person after all these years against Jacob Fatu. But apparently La Parca didn't want a job because he no-showed. So instead, the main event was uh, Jacob Fatu versus Bestia Seis Seis Seis. Uh, who the fuck is that? He's he's a guy in Mexico that he's sort of like MLW's backup. Okay. For if someone doesn't want to do a job. Sort Man, of vampiro-like. I, I can't believe he it, didn't want to do the job, so he just no-showed. LaParka never does a job. Like, literally, what else I saw LaParka this match. What this weekend? Uh, he didn't come in. I think he was going to come in only for this. But, like, literally, I told Rebecca, Jacob Fatu doesn't like to job, and L.A. Park doesn't like to job. Like, I don't know how they're going to book this. Now I know. They won't. He's not going to show up. Um, so, yeah, so Bestia, uh, say, 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 it was... It was like a live event hardcore match. Like, whoa, there's two chairs. Whoa, seconds. there's something resembling a table. And um, Fatu got the win. It was fine. Moonsault at the end looked cool. I gave it three stars. Probably generous compared to what else I saw. And uh, that was MLW Fusion taping. That was nine minutes, three seconds, Ben. I'm impressed. Your, yep. short, your shortest segment was uh, segment number six, and that was 10 seconds long. Let's keep that energy up. Let's get on to the next. Sh- what was the what was the general vibe at the end of the show though? That's what I want to know. Like, what was everyone walking out of that show? I can't believe I spent money on this. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a horrible experience to yeah, watch. It sounds like court, it sounds people like Court Bauer are the reason why people are like I could book a wrestling promotion. Yeah, yeah. Court's just better at getting money than other people are. I guess so. So what followed up? What, what we're, 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 Deliver us from the suffering. So we thought it was starting at 11, but the tickets were wrong. It was starting at midnight. Joey Janela Spring Break Part 2, Matt. You ever at watched midnight? wrestling that goes until 3 in the morning? No, I don't. Because Rebecca oh. and I have. Why? And honestly, this was our favorite show of the weekend. Yeah, because you were in a fever dream. All the shows, it was like all of the main event matches for Spring Break Night 1, they just pushed to here. Okay, Opening match, good. Matt Cardona, Deathmatch King versus Chris Dickinson, who for some reason brought Missy Hyatt with him. Real Gaga, American-style sports entertainment match. I love Chris Dickinson. He got the win over Cardona. Dramatic match, Chris Dickinson's return after injuring his leg. I'm just happy to see the dude kicking ass again. Um, I really hope 2022 is his year because he just has a level of intensity that very few other people have. Gave it solid three and a half stars. Oh, oh okay. Uh, We've broken three stars. Yeah, and we're about to do it again. The following Ooh. match was my favorite match I saw personally of the weekend. Biff Busick loses to Tony Deppen. Tony Deppen is the fucking 
man. And I love this dude. I gave this a cool four and one quarter stars. Holy shit. Just so hard hitting, man. These dudes just slap the shit out of each other and they just don't say no. Just like if you want to look up fighting spirit, it's this match. And and I wish I had more specifics, but once again, it was like 1 a.m. at yeah. this time. But I just, I just, like, this is what pro wrestling is to me. It's just slapping the shit out of each other, punching each other till your chest is red. Gross looking submissions. Deppin gets on the mic afterwards and calls himself the best damn independent wrestler in the world today. And I'd be hard pressed to disagree with him. God um, damn. Four and one quarter stars. Ooh, four, PCO, 58 seconds on that one, Ben. That was expertly done. PCO was supposed to show up and wrestle uh, and wrestle Speedball, Mike Bailey, but he didn't show up for some reason. I think he may have been injured. So or Jordan Oliver no instead faced Mike Bailey, third actually, Matt Tremont, remember. Oh, jeez. And uh, they put on a banger of a match. Mike Bailey, this is his year. He's breaking out. He's an athletic, flippy type guy, but his spin on it is so unique and it's so Mortal Kombat Street Fighter-esque that everything he does is so engaging. And whenever he wins, he pumps his fist into the air like it's a a fighting game. And it's so obnoxious and I love it so freaking much. It's kind of like Kenny Omega. Absolutely, yeah. In many ways, like a young Kenny Omega, but... I feel like he's legitimized the fighting moves more, and that's what makes him special. Moving on next, the most bizarre match of the weekend, Effie faced Minoru Suzuki in a match. Yeah, this was Suzuki's third match of the day, and he was like, I don't want to take bumps. I think he took one bump the whole match, and it was fine. It's like awesome. It's like chop. And Effie's like, I'm gay. I want you to chop me harder, daddy. What the fuck? I gotta Chop watch this again. Match. Yeah, it's really silly Goo Goo Gaga match, but yeah. they had a lot of fun with it. Effie kissing Minoru Suzuki. Suzuki wins uh, with, I believe it was the Gotch style pile driver. Beautiful. Just lots of fun. I gave it three and a quarter stars. The main event, Matt, was the 60 individual, the greatest clusterfuck battle royal. Holy shit, what? The Did five it start with rules, all of them in the ring? It, it, no, it okay. started... It's like a rumble. Entrants can appear... Entrants come out at random. Okay. And you can be eliminated over the top rope, pinfall, submission, leaving the building, or death. I hope someone died. No, but two people got eliminated by leaving the building. Uh, Just oh, to run through some highlights... This match lasted over an hour, so I'm not adhering to a timer on this. Yeah, no, you got to go. When it got about 75% through, both Rebecca and I got into what I call dry tiredness. Yeah. Where it's like, you're not sleepy anymore, but you're like, what's happening? You're just, you're sleep deprived. You're like, your brain is starting to to like turn down functionality to keep your body alive. The first intern was Joey Janela, who really kept this match rolling. Uh, Buff Bagwell was entrant number two with his broken leg. It took him about five minutes to get to the ring. He immediately got eliminated, and it took him about five minutes to leave. That's that was bizarre. Fucking depressing. Um, the Invisible Man was an entrant, and he got, I think, two eliminations in the match. What a champion. Um, yeah, yeah, Invisible Man's great, and he was honestly probably the highlight of the match. 
Oh man, Invisible um, Man, put it in the goddamn work. The Grim Reefer came <laughs> in, and he <laughs> smoked a bunch of weed, and he shared them with everyone in the match. Uh, to Was where like Joey Janela spent the yeah, it is. That, that seems uh, and, dangerous in Texas. And, uh, well, I mean, maybe this one wasn't. I know in L.A. it's legit. Okay. But uh, Joey Janela was then high for the next 10 minutes and stumbled around the arena uh, screaming, what's my next spot? I don't know what my next spot is, which was hilarious. I hope that was hilarious. That has that, That's on the edge of being too much. No, it was that's GCW, man. I guess, yeah, I guess, I guess. Other highlights: uh, Jimmy Wang Yang was an entrant. That was something. Maven was there. Hey, I know he that. He came is. out. He did five drop kicks, and then he said, "I'm done," and then he left. Did he walk out of the building and eliminate himself? Yes, yes, he did. He Hell eliminated yes. himself by walking out of the building. What a gangster! Uh, Slade was out from the day before he was back he came out he stood around for about 20 minutes outside of the ring and then he too left the fucking building did he even wrestle that he just kind of hang no out? he literally just stood there great storytelling yeah. beautiful um towards the end of the match a bunch of women started coming out and they just sort of stood there with each other because one year the clusterfuck was won by a random group of women. Wait, how does that um, work? Yeah, I don't know. Wait, um, wait, how? But they're well, you can people. come out in groups. Wait, what? Or something? Yeah, yeah. It's the it's a clusterfuck, man. I get, I get. I'm just like I'm trying to wrap my head around this. Okay, All right, so is this pack of women, women out there as a pack of women, or are they just individuals? they sort of came out one at a time over the span of like ten minutes. This is okay. when we were like we're dying because it's yeah. like two thirty at this point. God, uh, they were attacked by a group of like GCW developmental guys from like their LA sub territory, LA fights. Yikes. And then after that came out the winners of the match, the second gear crew, Mance Warner, Matt justice and AJ gray, who came out all at once, eliminated everyone and pinned Blake Christian, who was in the match for like over an hour. Beautiful. Um, really flat ending. I was really hoping they would have eliminated each other, and then Maven would have come out and been like, "I haven't left yet," and then he would have won. Uh, but yeah, uh, no, they wanted to go with something more boring. I don't know. It just sort yeah. of ended yeah, in like three sad. guys won, which was bizarre. That's how that's um, how like your average Rumble match ends. Like the ones that yeah, aren't special it, just kind of end. I gave it two stars, but for the show nice. as a whole, three and a half star show out of five really enjoyed it had a lot of fun so that's the end of the third show and now it's time for two nights of wrestlemania oh my god <laughs> we're keeping everyone in this house awake right now it's almost midnight. this this we can make fast because you know you're not going to get your wrestling news from here support independent wrestling that's what the thrust of this episode yeah, is that, that's the I, I genuinely think that is the, the matches that you saw prior to the thing that was attended by 70,000 people or 65,000 people. They um, announced attendance each night as 77,000 people. Oh, I know. They didn't open more than 60,000 seats yep, each yep. night. Like fuck. Fucking dicks. Um So um let's 
I'll just stream through these. Uh, tag title match, Nakamura and Boogs versus the Usos. I gave two stars, but yep. I really shouldn't rate it because uh, poor Boogs uh, tore his quad. Yeah. Hope he recovers well. Drew McIntyre and Baron Corbin had like a raw level match, two and a half stars. For some reason, Drew McIntyre sliced uh, his sword through a rope. I was I was then, eating a beautiful meal. And then Pyro meal went I, off. I, I was eating a beautiful meal I'd cooked during this, during these portions of the thing and not paying yeah. attention. Yeah, Pyro went off for some reason when he sliced the Pointless. rope. Yeah. Logan Paul uh, did better than expected when yeah. he tagged with The Miz to face the Mysterios. And apparently Is... he wanted to be the face at the end. So they just had Miz beat him up afterwards, which... Just made people like The Miz. I gave yep. two and a quarter stars. Did Was I, he better than Bad Bunny? No, absolutely where does, not. Where does he rank in the pantheon of celebrity he was, wrestlers? He's more athletic than Bad Bunny, but like there was a lot of the fundamentals he didn't get, so I enjoyed Bad Bunny more. I also hated the booking of the match where the story leading up to this was, hey, Dominic, you're a failure and a fraud and you're not as good and you're only here because your dad's here. And then his team loses. So it kind of validates that. Like, what the hell? Beautiful. Also in contention for match of the week, uh, probably it's in my top five. Bianca Belair defeated Becky Lynch. Yep. Shockingly, one of the first times WWE actually has a compelling beginning, middle, and end to a feud. Great on them. Bianca looked like a star. Becky did a great job. Took me a bit to get into the match, which is common in stadium shows. Uh, it it but, is shocking that that when 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 the long term booking actually works out in this finish and yeah. story told. Re- Rebecca said that that match like is that match made her realize how much AEW needs to work on their women's division. Because yeah. even though none of the other women's divisions were really too much above AEW, this match is something no one in AEW can do the 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 highs of the wwe women's division are so much higher than the wwe's but i mean the wwe is so much higher than aew's but aew at least does a little bit more in the middle ground section yeah yeah i i agree it's sort of like the wcw mid card versus wwe's main events right Mm -hmm. that was followed up with my favorite match of both wrestlemania nights cody rhodes yeah making his wwe debut to defeat seth rollins i was a lot more down on this before but seeing how he's been reacted to i now 100 percent understand why one he didn't want to turn heel even though it would have been awesome and two why he went to wwe and if he ever does decide to go back to AEW, he will be the top heel in the company oh yeah with no effort whatsoever he'll walk so, uh, and be hated. it'll be amazing so good on cody yeah. i i hope that you know everything works out for him great match. amazing match with seth rollins really slow but like good epic slow and it also sort of ruined a lot of the other good epic slow matches this weekend it because wwe album. matches are all paced exactly the fucking same good god guys structure your matches differently it makes it so hard to follow um charlotte flair beat ronda rousey three-star match which uh, i probably inflated just yeah, because inflated. i was really happy ronda Horribly lost inflated. yeah same i like, like that it match wasn't a good because ronda lost it wasn't a particularly great match it was just awkward ronda's not a great wrestler they both look confused. um yeah it was just 
you know, honestly, I feel like this match killed a lot of Ronda's remaining star power in WWE. She lost just based on she, how awkward it was. She lost it when Amanda Nunez knocked her unconscious. I'm saying what little left she had. Because <laughs> now she's not even good in a performative sense. Yeah, it was just embarrassing. And then in the main event, Stone Cold Steve Austin started a little shaky, but he, he, he worked it off he and he fought Kevin Owens. I gave it two and three quarter stars. Wow, I was a it, lot higher on this match. I, I mean, it's uh, that's me on like a lizard brain analytical level, right? I enjoyed it, like the experience of seeing Austin have one more ride a lot more than that. Well, you thought it was um, one more. But it was uh, it was just fun seeing Austin do his stuff again. It the was beer great. bath, everything. Uh, it's It really felt like the end of WWE, like the yeah. end of the series. It did. It felt like a season final, it's, like like the final yeah. final, like the goodbye episode after the show should have ended five years earlier. I I think the best things about it are that Owens got to have a match with his idol yep. that no one would have expected, and it was great. And, uh, and Austin got to leave on his own terms, and that's something that you don't see a lot of often. Yep. And uh, I was just happy for Austin. Yeah, it was beautiful. Um, yeah. So. So good all around. Uh, one of the best highlights. And I, he I gave the show concrete. What a goddamn champion! I gave the show uh, about a three-ish out of five, I suppose. I'd give it the same. I I would give it a three point five because I I I skipped the bad matches and just watched Bianca, Cody, yeah. and Austin. Uh, and the next uh, night they were amazing. The next night, conversely, I gave two and a quarter stars out of five. Ooh. much worse much more bloated yeah uh, it's like they saved all the good stuff for night one uh well they, they best match yeah. of the show was the opener where alpha academy fought rk bro who fought the street profits rk bro got match. the win really good uh high spot tag match i gave three and a half stars and then uh gable rapist stevenson stevenson uh attack chad gable my favorite gable after the match shorty g we don't know if he's a rapist, only alleged. But the courts threw it out, so we will never know definitively, will we? Wow, fucking going deep. Not in that interview. Due to a due to a legal technicality in Minnesota state law. Never forget. I mean, honestly, I don't know if he did it or not. I just, I just know that that's the that that all of that is true. He was accused of it, but because of a loophole where if you're drunk. You can't say someone raped you, which has since been patched in Minnesota law. Like, he couldn't be tried for it. So, wow. it's sketchy at least. Better not have cheered for it or we're coming for you. Uh, second match of the show, Omos lost to Bobby Lashley. Standard such a big guy match. faces bigger guy. I gave I, it two stars. I thought it was I, fine. I, I, the, I were watching this and I was, like, pleasantly surprised that Omos has finally, like, I, I think almost is, is still genuinely a bad wrestler, but he he showed so much improvement from the last time I watched. He showed him a lot more personality, match. at least. Yeah, like yeah, he felt more like an actual character and less just like a bad wrestler who was really tall. Sami Zayn lost to Johnny Knoxville from Jackass fame. I feel like if I watched Jackass, I would have enjoyed this more. Ooh. I thought it was great. I thought it was good for what it was. I gave it three stars. The Wee Man moment was a five star. Dave Meltzer five star in the Tokyo Dome six stars. Yeah, that just was a lot that, of fun. just the slam, nothing else. I I thought it was fine, but just wasn't the mouse. Out of my the, the mouse trap not working was like the perfect example of that match. 
Um, let's see. Uh, Sasha Banks and Naomi won the tag titles, breaking Sasha's 0-6 WrestleMania losing streak. Also boring. They defeated champions Zelina and Carmella, as well as Liv Morgan and Rhea Ripley and Shayna Baszler and Natalia. This match existed. I remember nothing from it. Two stars. Uh, in arguably the most disappointing match of the weekend, Edge defeated AJ Styles with help from Damian Priest. Edge's Such entrance was ending. fucking awesome. Yeah, Edge was and, sick. And I feel like the match was a 10-minute match stretched to 20. And oh my god. In, in my brain, it's only five minutes long. Seth, uh, Seth Rollins, I feel like, is being emulated by Edge in some ways yeah, right a now. Yeah, a like, Edge feels like a diet Seth Rollins in many I ways right now. Agree. Which is really strange. Um, yeah. I mean, I like Edge's new theme song, though. Like, in the context he's using it. It's not as good as Metal Ingus, but, like, it's no, it's no, at it's least not. good for what's trying. Uh, oh. New Day lost to Sheamus and Ridge Holland. One star. Uh, blink and you miss it. Then Pat McAfee, I say, had probably the strongest celebrity performance this weekend. Yeah, definitely. Where he defeated Pat McAfee. I gave two and three quarter stars. Beautiful entrance. Uh, basic match, but like McAfee did a really good job. And his jumping yeah, uh, the top theory. rope suplex or, or, or belly to belly, whatever. Yeah. I So good. Moment like McAfee's night. a star. I, like in and he was really emotive and empathetic as well like you felt like you were there along with the ride uh, along with him for the ride yeah he had the just a really factor. fun match uh and then he went back then to after, commentating <laughs> like a pro pro well first vince mcmahon beat him in oh. a one quarter star match oh, uh, but that was geez. all to lead up to no. steve austin coming out and giving vince mcmahon the worst stunner of all time that that's was okay the, that was the greatest stunner of all time are you kidding me he kicked him I feel so hard like, in the solar plexus, he actually fell over. I feel like, in many ways, it's the perfect ending to him? Austin McMahon, McMahon. Considering their first stunner he ever gave him was also terrible. was awful. Watching watching McMahon flounder out of the ring like a dead fish as Austin tried to kind of push him to help him get him out of the way because he couldn't maneuver his body out was one of the funniest and most satisfying things I've ever seen happen to an old man. It was, it was, it really, I, I don't know how Vince is going to deal with like the, like how he looked like, he seems like a man whose ego is going to be so lambasted by this, you know, by his own actions that he's going to like have to stare at his T-Rex skull for six hours and channel his cheek. I know. I know. That's what makes it especially great. And Steve Austin laughing his ass off. I just love that we got one more round of stunning everyone, stunning the good guys, the Byron. bad guys, the beers. I will say uh, this is the oldest Vince has ever looked because I'd never seen like how stooped over his neck is now and how it's he like, like he calcified. Was full of roids. He looked like he was full of roids, but also full of old. Yeah, roids and Botox. Just all over his um, body. And then in the main event, Roman oh, Reigns completed a seven-year arc defeating brock lesnar finally and it's the exact same fucking match they've had every the time most, the most oh my match, god the most important match of the night it was eclipsed Spear, by Austin superman stunning. punch f5 belly to belly suplex so like those bored. were the only moves the whole match like what the Nothing fuck happened. guys like seven years of build-up and that's what you gave us you should you should you should have had brock 
shoot break Roman's arm. Yeah, two-star match. Boring. I mean, it was serviceable, but it was dull. Uh, but hey, it took him seven years, Matt, but they finally got Roman Reigns winning over Brock at Mania with the reaction they want. Let that be a fucking lesson to all of you marks from Philadelphia at the Rumble who derailed Roman Reigns' WrestleMania push in 2015. We could have been done by now, but no. People like me had to boo Roman. And because of that, it got pushed off for seven fucking years. His coronation over Brock Lesnar. Seven years it took. For us to get back to this point with Roman actually going over. Now Cody Fuck can beat me. him and take the title. Fuck me, dude. Seven years. That's a story. To get to have for Roman Reigns podcast. beat Brock Lesnar. Seven years. I, I will say, and I'll close on this. WWE, this time around, I enjoyed watching more. Because I think I finally realized what they're going for with their slim down roster with everything. WWE is transitioning from sports entertainment to entertainment. Yep. They are turning into Harlem Globetrotters to Ringling Brothers. Everyone needs to have a super over the top character that you can explain in 20 seconds or less. That's what this WrestleMania was like. I feel like obnoxious commercials notwithstanding you would enjoy the show most if you had no idea what wrestling was and you a hundred percent yeah because that's who they're catering to yeah like wwe is the american version of cmll in mexico it is tourist wrestling they do not want you to follow the storylines raw exists for video packages and for tv rights deals but there's nothing actually drawing you to the show because essentially nothing happens. Raw is the new version of their live events. And live That's events so is depressing. like, I guess, open mic night. Yeah. But but everything's about the big boxing main event, right? Nothing yeah. else matters. You're buying the match for Roman and Brock. And it's like Flanderized, a more extreme version of what Vince has been working for this whole time. And it's this slimmed down roster. Everyone's a character. You don't need to know who anyone is. They'll tell you. It's not about the shows. It's about the big money pay-per-views. And, Premium live you know, events, just, Premium And just whoever's in town. And it's sad, but it's become so far removed from the WWE that I enjoyed that I, I, like, I can enjoy it more now. It's a different product now, fully. Because it's an entirely different product. I feel like... WrestleMania cemented the transition over well, the, into whatever this new thing is. The sports entertainment age of WWE has ended. We're now, as you put it, in the entertainment age. Like it was like that. That's why Austin came back to close it off to say goodbye to Vince as he slowly fades away into the sack of bones that's covered in thick muscle, and he disappears back to sell more broken skull ranch beer. It, it was a just a nice little bow put on top of what was there. And I think I genuinely think changing it from pay-per-views, which is such a sports thing, and transitioning it to premium live events in their in their use of language is such a beautiful example of like as you said, moving from sports entertainment to just entertainment. And so I guess the thesis is that 
You've been listening to Fourth Times the Charm, and 50 matches is too much for one podcast. <laughs> but maybe we'll get it right when the Fourth Times the Charm. Na, 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 na. Good morning. Good afternoon. Follow us on Instagram.